When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seven more weeks. That's it. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Holy smokes, just seven weeks to go until Penn State's season opener against West Virginia on September 2nd at Beaver Stadium. Actually, I'm recording this on Saturday, so that's seven weeks podcast doesn't air till Sunday, so we're, we're one day within seven weeks. But i got uh, a, a cool topic for you today to kind of go hand-in-hand hand with the seven weeks remaining. I'm going to give you the seven things that I'm most looking forward to with the Penn State football team and program this year. So I've got uh, a list of seven. We'll do the first few in uh, the first segment, then the uh, final Three in the uh, second segment, but seven weeks to go. The season is not far away. Uh, it's, it's a very exciting time. We'll start to see a lot of preseason polls and watch lists and all that kind of stuff. And certainly uh, just uh, tremendous expectations for the Penn State football team this season. As you're listening to my seven things that I'm most looking forward to seeing, you can kind of be thinking about your own post a comment here in the comment section or shoot me an email or text or whatever. Uh, I'd like to hear what you're most looking forward to. But seven weeks to go, these are the seven things I'm looking forward to. I'm going to go in descending order, 7654321. So number seven, all right? This is the last season of divisions in the Big Ten. How about that? So we got the East and the West. For many years, the East has just been fantastic. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State. And then you've got the West, which is like, ah, you know, which one of these good to mediocre teams wants to win that division and then kind of get hammered in the Big Ten championship game? I'm really just sick of the divisions in the Big Ten um, because they're for a league this good, the the imbalance of power has just been striking. Now, it's not uncommon. In the SEC, it's been this way for a long time as well with the SEC West, Alabama, and those those programs there dominating uh, that conference. Although, you know, the past couple of years, Georgia's in the SEC East, and they've been the king of the mountain in college football. But for years and years, the SEC West has dominated. For years and years, the Big Ten East has dominated. I'm looking forward to the 2024 season. Look, and we could get into the college football playoff expanding to 12. That's I gave that a lot of consideration, and that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand here a little bit. But for this year specifically, this will be the last season of divisions in the Big Ten. Uh, for Penn State, that means that, hey, this will be the last time that they'll have to go through the gauntlet every year of Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. I don't want to say it's been unfair because look, this is big boy football, big boy college sports, and you gotta you gotta play the people that are on your schedule, no matter how good they are. Uh, but quite frankly, it has been kind of unfair. Ohio State's dominated the 
Big Ten East for a long time. Michigan's been very good, uh, resurgent the past couple of years. But this will be the final year for divisions next year in 2024 when USC and UCLA come on board. We'll get to see really kind of a, a free for all in the in the Big Ten standings, and they'll decide the Big Ten champion uh, champions uh, championship game of the two uh, teams in there based on how they do during the regular season. But no longer will we be seeing any more of one side of the conference just dominating and the other side being, quite frankly, a yawner, to be honest with you. Um, so this will be the last year of the division. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Number six on my list, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. Just fantastic as true freshman last year. First Big Ten running back uh, freshman duo to have 700 yards rushing in the same season. That's just terrific. Uh, so there was a question as we, you know, Got into last season, then the middle of last season, and the end of last season. Which running back was better? Who who could do what? And I think the feeling early on, uh, well, obviously Nicholas Singleton breaking off the the long touchdown runs against Auburn and Ohio certainly threw him into the national spotlight. But there were a couple weeks there early on in the Big Ten schedule where you kind of thinking, okay. You know, Nicholas Singleton's the home run hitter and he can take it to the house from any distance. But Catron Allen is really the the tougher between the tackles runner. If it's third and two, fourth and one, you know, who are you going to give the ball to? You're going to give the ball to Nicholas Singleton, hope for a home run. You're going to give the ball to Catron Allen, see if he gets those tough yards, you know, going up uh, through the big uglies. And so at least earlier to kind of midway through the season, there was a good bit of feeling about that. Obviously, Nicholas Singleton finished the year with the the 87-yard touchdown run in the Rose Bowl, which was spectacular. And he is the home run hitter. He is the you know the the superstar prospect that that we all had hoped to see. That does not mean that Catron Allen will not be a tremendously significant part of that running game. I fully expect them to see them split the carries once again, like they did last year. Maybe Singleton gets 15, Catron gets 12, 13, 14, or vice versa, or what have you. You got to keep both involved because the only way Nicholas Singleton's going to hit the home run is if he gets enough chances uh, to take one to the house. Okay. And then, you, you know, you don't, you're not going to limit him to seven, eight carries, obviously, as talented as he is. And I don't know that Catron Allen is the kind of guy that can go 20, 25 carries anyway, either. So if you go 15 for Catron, 14 for Nick, or, or vice versa, I would think that that's probably somewhere they would they would go. Uh, you, you need multiple running backs in the Big Ten. That's just the way it is. So that's number six on my list of what I'm looking forward to is just to seeing how that uh, duo continues to be utilized by James Franklin and Mike Yurcich, and we'll see you know how the how they split the carries and if that remains to be the case that Nicholas Singleton is the home run hitter. And maybe Catron can get some tougher yards. Who, who can also become better in the passing game, catching balls out of the backfield as well. Number five, offensive line. Holy smokes, the offensive line should be good this year. Hell has not frozen over as far as we know. Uh, what's that other one? When monkeys fly out of my butt, that kind of thing. Well, hey, uh, the offense State's offensive line, typically this time of year, we we say this is never gonna. This is always gonna be a problem. This is never gonna be a strong unit. But no, it is a strong unit this year. All indications are that the offensive line will be very very good. And then they're blocking for Singleton and Allen. And uh, you know you hope that they can protect Drew Aller 
a, a tremendous amount as well. But it is, I, I remember the 2008 season, the Rose Bowl season when Penn State won the Big Ten, lost USC in the Rose Bowl. AQ Shipley, that offensive line was just a fantastic line. More often, you know, I mean, almost every other year since then, we, we have gone into season saying, oh my goodness, the offensive line, the offensive line, the offensive line. Certainly that was the case after the scandal when the scholarships were reduced and, you know, Bill O'Brien, they had to recruit, uh, they had to recruit guys, running backs, wide receivers, skill position guys. They didn't really, they really have a lot of scholarships available for offensive linemen. And so things were really, really weak for a long time. And quite frankly, even, the 16, 17, 18, 19 teams with Saquon Barkley, Trace McSorley, Miles Sanders, some of those guys, while the offensive line did play well at times, you could shake your head during that era and say, ah, oh boy, what if the offensive line would have been even better? How, how could Saquon have won a Heisman if the offensive line had been better in 2017, for instance? Cause he did a lot of it just on his own. So I'm very much looking forward to the offensive line being better. Number four on my list of things I'm looking forward to. Very, very specific game. And no, it's not Ohio State. And no, it's not Michigan. I'll get to those later. Illinois, week three, September 16th, noon kickoff. Penn State's going to be ranked fifth, sixth, seventh in the preseason polls. They're going to beat West Virginia. They're going to beat Delaware. They're going to go into that Illinois game in week three, depending on if one or two teams lose in front of them, ranked anywhere from third, fourth, fifth in the country, you would think. All right. And so I'm not going to sit here and say Illinois is a great team, but that's a road game, a noon kickoff. Illinois is going to be, is going to have everything. Um, they're they're going to be placing so much emphasis on that game. Illinois opens up with Toledo and then at Kansas. And, and so you know that Illinois has that game circled for a chance to beat a potential top five team. Uh, and, and look, look again, I, I, I'm not saying Illinois is going to be a great program, but they were eight and five last year, five and four in the Big Ten. Brett Bielema, he he just gets his guys to play hard. He doesn't always have the most talented teams. He did have a lot of talent at, at Wisconsin, uh, not so much sometimes at Arkansas, but he gets his guys to play hard. I fully expect Illinois to be tremendously ready for that game. It is the first road game, first road start of Drew Aller's career. And if you just want to poo-poo that and say, ah, Geiger, Illinois ain't going to be very good. Penn State's going to go beat the hell out. Hey, fine. Think that all you want. Because when they lace them up and they kick it off at noon on September 16th in Champaign, I just, I just think that is going to be a really entertaining game, or at least telling him. It might not be over, overly entertaining. I think Illinois is going to try to ugly that game up as much as possible. But it's going to be a very interesting and very telling game about what we think the Penn State football season can look like. They are going to come after Drew Aller. They are going to hit Penn State and punch them in the mouth. I can guarantee you, Penn State still may win. They may win easily. Double digits, 14, 17 points. Who, who knows? But it will be a major, major test early in the season going to Illinois in week three. And we will find out a whole lot about the Penn State football team in that game. So that's the fourth, number four thing that I'm looking forward to for the season. I'll give you my top three coming up here in the second segment.
welcome back. I'm going to give you my top three things that I'm looking forward to during the Penn State's 2023 season. Seven weeks to go. These are my top seven. I gave you seven, six, five, and four in the first segment. Number three on my list, Dante Cephas, Keandre Lambert-Smith. Can one of those guys become a true, legitimate number one wide receiver in the Big Ten and in the country? Whatever hopes, goals, aspirations, expectations people have for Drew Aller, they will heavily depend on Dante Cephas, Keandre Lambert-Smith, or somebody else that is going to have to become a number one wide receiver. We've been really, we've seen a whole bunch of good wide receivers at Penn State in recent years. Chris Godwin, Jahan Dotson, K.J. Hamler. I mean, there have been a lot of good guys. I mean, certainly going back even before that as well, Deshaun Hamilton. Uh, you know, there, there have been so many good wide receivers at Penn State in, in recent years. And uh, last year, Parker Washington, I think, kind of underachieved a little bit. Um I do not believe necessarily that either Dante Cephas or KLS will be a true legit number one Big Ten wide receiver. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, go ahead and throw the challenge down and say, hey, both of them might be good. They both might be your kind of prototypical number two wide receivers. But for this to be the kind of season that a lot of Penn State fans want it to be, you need one of those guys to develop into. 60 plus, maybe 70 plus catches approaching or topping double digits in touchdowns. Now, I'm a little careful in saying that because I think the running game and the offensive line can be really good. The tight ends can be good. There are enough weapons that Penn State can win a lot of games, even if they don't have superstar wide receivers. But if you're going to beat Ohio State or contend with Ohio State, if you're going to beat Michigan or contend with Michigan and going up against their uh, high, high level talent on defense, you gotta have guys that uh, can can get separation, can get space, can catch everything, and we've seen guys like that in recent years. Uh, Parker Washington did have a great game last year against Ohio State with eleven catches. We saw uh, Jahan Dotson just uh, pummel Ohio State a, a couple years ago with a tremendous game against uh, Wade, the defensive back. So, uh, you know, can Penn State see one of these guys develop into that? Either Dante Cephas the transfer from Kent State or Keandre Lambert-Smith. The way KLS finished the season last year, a long touchdown catch against Michigan State, then obviously the 88-yard touchdown grab against uh, Utah in the Rose Bowl for a record. That was sensational for him. I have every reason to believe that KLS will be the number one wide receiver, especially early in the year. He's been around the program for a while. He knows what Big Ten and in this level of Division One football are all about. He's been around Drew Aller longer. Can Dante Cephas become a number one or even really a strong number two at the Big Ten level? Hey, I do think that that remains to be seen. Um, you're coming from Kent State, you're playing in the MAC, and you know not to not to diss the MAC talent too much, but it ain't the Big Ten, folks. It's not Michigan, Ohio State, and I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna emphasize this a little bit more coming up in, in just a moment for with, with my number two. Everything we talk about here with Penn State, you have to think about Ohio State and Michigan. Okay, we're beyond the fact that we're beyond the point of, uh, you know, we, we can judge Penn State based on everybody else, you know, but it doesn't matter about how you do against Ohio State and Michigan, unrivaled and all this bull crap, this, that, the other. No, if you're going to compete for a national championship, compete for a Big Ten or college football playoff berth, then you have to 
beat Ohio State and Michigan right now in a four-team playoff. Next year, when it goes to 12, no, you don't have to beat those teams. But if you're going to accomplish the goals that you want to accomplish, it's got to come against Ohio State and Michigan. Do you have good enough players against Ohio State and Michigan, especially at the wide receiver spot? And can Drew Aller fully develop into his potential if he does not have you know, number one guys that can go out and get theirs against any defensive player. So that's number three on my list, just the development of Dante Cephas and Keandre Lambert-Smith. Number two, interesting discussion here. I'm going to kind of phrase it as Manny Diaz's defense, what is he going to do with the personnel against Ohio State and Michigan? Now, what I'm talking about here is going back to last year specifically, Michigan ran for 400 yards on Penn State. And James Franklin was uncharacteristic. I mean, he had the elite comments in 2018. James doesn't just say a lot of, you know, crazy off the wall stuff after games, even losses when he's emotional, but he did after the Michigan game. He challenged uh, some of his defensive linemen saying that not everybody can be Aaron Donald. People think they can be underweight and still be a tremendous, you know, you know, run stopper like an Aaron Donald. Uh, well, not, it doesn't always work that way. And he's, he was talking, you know, about some guys in particular. Hakeem Beeman was one, you know, he didn't name any names, but the, the, the way the Penn State defense, the whole team really, but especially the defense has been built over the years has been to beat Ohio State. Ohio State, great passing game, great running game, the speed factor. Ohio State plays really a, an up-tempo, speed kind of you know skill position, a lot of great talent at skill position everywhere. To be able to con- compete with that and beat Ohio State, you have to have a certain type of player, okay? Speed, uh, skill guys, guys that can do a lot of things. But if you go up against a Michigan team that's hell-bent on running the ball and they've got their big offensive linemen and they're fully committed to to imposing their will on you physically, Penn State did, was not prepared in that game in Ann Arbor last year for that style of play. Again, the roster had been constructed to compete against Ohio State. And actually, Penn State competed much better against Ohio State last year than it did Michigan. The Lions were leading the Buckeyes after 51 minutes before losing. They got throttled out at Michigan because the Wolverines ran for 400 yards. So what I'm looking forward to seeing is, and again, this is two games specifically, Michigan, Ohio State. How will they construct things against Ohio State for that speed dynamic how will they construct things against Michigan for that power dynamic? However, Michigan also has a really good passing quarterback in sophomore J.J. McCarthy, who I think is going to take a big step forward this year. So it's going to be challenging. If you're out there thinking, ah, Penn State can beat Ohio State, Penn State can beat Michigan. Okay, fine, sure, they can. How are they going to do it? What's the game plan going up against Ohio State versus what will the game plan be going up against a strong, powerful, physical Michigan team that you know Harbaugh loves running the ball, but Harbaugh's also got a good passing quarterback now in J.J. McCarthy. So that's something I'm really looking forward to because if we're talking about um, the highest of expectations and goals or maybe getting to a playoff, that kind of thing, you got to at least win one of those games. And quite frankly, I think you got to probably beat Ohio State. Uh, well, you have to beat Michigan there. That's at home. You could maybe lose to Ohio State, beat Michigan at home. And if you go 11 and one and Ohio State wins the Big Ten and they go to the, to the playoff, maybe you can 
slide into that second spot because you're going to have a better chance of beating Michigan at home than you are going to to Columbus and winning out there. So you got to win at least one of them. Is the roster, the way it's constructed and the game plan that the coaches are going to come up with, are they going to be able to have uh, the, the kind of personnel on the field, the kind of game plan in place for the power against Michigan and also maybe the speed power kind of component that Ohio State will throw out there. So that is something that I'm really, really looking forward to as we get uh, down deep into the season. Number one, obviously, this is no surprise, Drew Aller's development. Is he the real deal or not? I, for one, expect Drew Aller to have a lot of ups and downs this year. I think sometimes he is going to look absolutely sensational, and you're going to say he's a top five or top ten NFL draft pick. And I think there are other times where Drew Aller is going to make some plays and we're, and we're going to roll our eyes and say, what the hell was that? And you know why I think that? Well, because quarterback is unbelievably hard. It's an unbelievably difficult position to play. We have no idea how he will be able to fare uh, against these quality Big Ten opponents and defenses, especially going on the road to Columbus, going to Illinois. I mean, these are, these are incredible challenges that he's never had to deal with before. Uh, does Drew Aller have sensational potential? Yes. Might he be a, a once-in-a-generation kind of quarterback? Possible. Until he proves it, we have to wonder if he can live up to that potential. And I go back to my number three thing I'm looking forward to. Is he going to have a number one wide receiver? Because Kyle McCord, the projected starter, taking over for C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, he's got a number one guy in Marvin Harrison. You know, is Drew Aller going to have a number one wide receiver? Is he going to be able to to be a 3,500-yard passer, 35 TDs, six intercepts? Is he going to be able to do that kind of stuff if he does not have a number one legit wide receiver? And the answer to me is no, I don't I don't think that he will. So I think we're going to see some ups and downs, especially as Dante Cephas gets used to the Big Ten. Keandre Lambert-Smith kind of molds into that role uh, of, of maybe trying to be the number one guy. How Drew Aller utilizes them. How they're able to mix in the running game, the offensive line, the tight ends, those kinds of things. I do expect Drew Aller going into 2024. I've said this for more than a year. I think 2024 is the year. Second year for him as a starter. That's the year we think about Penn State maybe competing for or or even possibly winning a national championship. I've got Penn State at 10 and 2 this year. I've got them losing to Ohio State and Michigan. I've got Drew Aller playing up and down, looking great sometimes, looking bad sometimes, because that's the nature of the business. Might he be better than that? Sure. Might he be worse than that? Absolutely. If you're out there thinking you know that you feel confident how how Drew Aller is going to perform this season, uh, I think you're kidding yourself because you're not respecting the fact that the, the position is that difficult and especially when you're playing in the Big Ten against these kinds of physical defenses. This, is, this has nothing to do with Drew Aller and it has everything to do with the fact that the quarterback position is the most difficult position to play in all sports. Welcome to the third and final segment of the We Are podcast. I closed the last segment talking about Drew Aller and how he is uh, clearly the number one thing I'm looking forward to seeing 
this season. I wrote an interesting story a couple days ago at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Uh, you should check it out. I'll give you the gist of it here. We don't really know what Drew Aller is going to do on a week-to-week basis this year because he is a new quarterback, a young quarterback, and we've got to see him get uh, experience, get his feet wet. But you know what? Penn State is not alone here. Uh, I'm using Phil Steele's top 10, preseason top 10 here. Georgia, new starting quarterback. Stetson Bennett's gone. Carson Beck takes over. Number two, Clemson. Uh, DJ, and I always hate pronouncing the guy's name, Ujulele. He's, he's gone. He went to Oregon State. Cade Klubnick, uh, number one quarterback recruit in the country in 2022. He will be the starter. Michigan's got JJ McCarthy back. Alabama, number four. Bryce Young's gone. They've got three guys competing for that job. Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, Tyler Buckner, who transferred from Notre Dame. Ohio State, CJ Stroud is gone. Kyle McCord's the favorite there. Devin Brown is competing for that job as well. Then you've got Penn State at number six in Phil Steele's top 10. Uh, Sean Clifford's gone, obviously. Drew Aller's there. Number seven, USC. Caleb Williams is back. The Heisman winner. Number eight, Florida State. Jordan Travis is back. Excellent uh, young quarterback. Uh, Number nine, LSU Jaden Daniels. Uh, we'll be back for his second year as a starter. But number 10, Notre Dame. They lose their guys. Sam Hartman from Wake Forest comes in. He is probably the, you know, if you take a look at the newer quarterbacks among the six teams that I just mentioned, Sam Hartman, you'd have to think, uh, has a chance to be the most consistent after uh, all the success that he had at, uh, at Wake Forest. But the point I'm trying to make with this is all of these questions, all of these, uh, potential consistency issues that I think Penn State's going to have with Drew Aller, man, you can you can take a look at a bunch of teams around the country and they could be having the exact same issues. Alabama, for instance, Bryce Young's gone. No more Tua Tagovailoa. You know who, who's to, who's to say what they're going to get from these new guys? Ohio State, they've had such a tremendous run of quarterbacks. When one star leaves, another star comes on board. Well, I don't know that Kyle McCord is the kind of guy that C.J. Stroud or Justin Fields or any of these guys have been at Ohio State for a long time. So, um, when, when you take, when you think about this, how it could impact uh, the national landscape, uh, the the word I used was zany. I think this could be a really zany year because I think we're going to see a lot of ups and downs with these quarterbacks, which means there could be a lot of ups and downs with teams around the country playing inconsistent, maybe lose a game here or there because their their new quarterback uh, you know has a bad day or what have you. But I think it's going to be a fascinating fascinating year in college football for that reason alone. Uh, and that is just the fact that when you play quarterback and you're taking over for one of these gigantic, gigantic programs with so much pressure, so much media attention, so much fan attention, like Drew Aller is, like these guys at Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. I mean, look, uh, it, it takes a special, special type of human being to be able to step in and perform at an incredibly high level consistently under this kind of pressure when you've never had to do it before. Can Drew Aller do it? Um, I think he will in 2024, much more than he does in 2023. Can some of these guys do it for these other uh, elite programs around the country? Well, hey, we'll see. That's why I think it could be a zany year. Folks, appreciate everybody for tuning in to the podcast week this week. Hopefully you liked my uh, list of seven things I'm looking forward to seeing this year. Only seven weeks to go before the season. It's going to be here before you know it. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>